You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey guys, how you doing? David Hall. Everybody caught up on your sleep yet? Greg Hectus. Boy, do we got a week here, boys. And welcome back, Tony Rochette. Hey, hey everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a long time since you've been on. We're happy to have you. Well, I needed somebody to come on from uh, the aftermath to invade. Yeah, Tony. Uh, the other Tony couldn't make it tonight, so we're glad to have you. Um, tonight's show, we're talking about a deep dive into the good, bad, and ugly of the 24 hours of Daytona. A champion is crowned in the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series, and we prepare for the start of the NASCAR NIS season. Gridfinder is growing fast, and that is good news with nearly 1,000 leagues across 10 different sims and almost 200 iRacing leagues. This is the place to find your next league. League owners, get your leagues noticed and your grids filled. Remember, it is free to search and free to post your league. Gridfinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find that league or to upload your own. Gridfinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. And I've noticed, Brian, that we keep changing the number. I think it was 80 when we started this, and now it's 200. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, so yeah, so check out Gridfinder, man, and you can find a league for just about any need that you that you have as far as iRacing, as far as your scheduling, what kind of cars you would like to drive. So yeah, check it out. Uh, they're a great sponsor, and uh, they provide a great service for anybody looking to join leagues in iRacing. Let's talk championship race. Yeah, so uh, Monday night was the 10th and final week of the NOS Energy Drink iRacing World of Outlaws series that was at the dirt track at Charlotte with Alex Bergeron. He entered the race with a 30-point lead over Hayden Cardwell after Cardwell had a disappointing finish week last week at uh, Williams Grove. And, and uh, yeah, Alex is in a great position uh, with that lead to win his third consecutive series championship. Aussie Tim Ryan posted fast time in qualifying and took the win in the first heat, grabbing the pole for the feature. Heat two went to Gregory LeMay after his best qualifying run and best finish in the heats. Yeah, so uh, heat three, Alex Bergeron, he actually started on the outside row beside uh, the pole sitter, who was uh, Kendall Tucker. However, Tucker, he was really fast and he consistent and took the win in heat three. So Bergeron grabbed second in that heat race. Uh, we move on to heat race four, where El- Hayden Cardwell started on the pole, and uh, he got that much wooded, much needed win in heat number four to keep the pressure on Bergeron for the series championship. So, setting up for the feature, we have Tim Ryan on the pole, Cardwell starting P three, and Bergeron P seven, needing a top ten to lock up the championship if Cardwell wins the race. When the green flag dropped, Tim Ryan had the speed to separate himself from the field even after regrouping twice with cautions to win his second race of the year without much of a challenge. 
Yeah, Tim Ryan really had the car to beat, and uh, he, he just separated himself from everybody, really. Uh, Cardwell came a little bit close to him towards the end of the race, but uh, yeah, so uh, Tim Ryan takes the lead, takes the win. Cardwell, he took second uh, from his third starting spot pretty early in the race, but he never really uh, was able to give uh, Tim Tim Ryan a challenge for the, for the win. So Cardwell finished P2, which means Alex Bergeron needed an 11th or better finish to take the championship so bertrand started seventh he had some tense moments early in the race there was some really heavy traffic from that p7 starting spot and he uh eventually did clear the the heavy traffic without any damage or in, any incidents uh he he worked his way got up to fourth place he sat there very comfortably there was nobody really around him to cause any problems and yeah so he finished fourth place and that gave him the his third straight title and he took home the the, the series championship and that $10,000 prize for first place. And why hasn't a real World of Outlaws team picked this kid up yet? I mean, he obviously is getting it done. Yeah, um, he uh, he mentioned in the post-race interview uh, when Chase Rodman was uh, interviewing him that, yeah, he really wants to get in these cars for real. Um, it, he's uh, This will be the third, uh, I think, second year where a part of the prize package has been to uh, drive one of these cars in real life. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's said he's uh, going to take these winnings and apply it towards real racing. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that uh, emerges for Alex. He's obviously a very talented driver. Uh, I think it can, I, I, you know, from everything we've seen with so many of these uh, sim drivers, this can translate to the real world. And, uh, you know, if somebody picks him up or is able to sponsor him and uh, gets him in the equipment that he's going to need to be fast, I don't see any reason why he can't be a, a real, uh, you know, a serious contender for uh, for making the real world outlaw championship. Only only downside is we might lose him <laughs> in this series. But, uh, yeah, so what a great, great, great season for Alex. Um, Hayden Cardwell also had a fantastic, fantastic season. Just that one week last week that uh, where uh, Cardwell had some issues that uh, really kept us from being an uh, absolute nail-biter of a finish to the season. But uh, so, yeah, so congratulations to Alex, Hayden Cardwell, and uh, Kendall Tucker, who actually finished third in points. Congratulations to all those guys, and we'll see them next year. And we'll see uh, some of them in a couple months when the late models uh, resume with their next season. You guys ready for some Coke news? Bring it. Well, we start with William Byron Esports posting a video announcing that the Coke Series champion Nick Ottinger and Logan Clampett are returning to their roster. Well, Logan's new to the roster. Nick is the returning champion. But a big move for Logan Clampett. Uh, he left uh, Parker Kligerman uh, Esports or Kligerman Burton Esports. And now over at the uh, reigning champion, William Byron. I uh, th think that's a pretty good move for him. Yep. We also heard from Junior Motorsports. Yeah. So it looks like uh, Junior Motorsports isn't uh, going out on a limb and changing drivers this year. It looks like they're retaining the drivers they had last year. And uh, we got Conti and Brad Davies again in return uh, for the 2021 season, um, which is a good signing. They had a great year. And uh, I look forward to seeing how they can do again in, for Junior. Well, we know Brad Davies isn't going anywhere. He actually works at Junior Motorsports uh, in the shop. Um, so he's definitely going to be there. But Mike Conti, I mean, he had a great run this year. And uh, like you said, they both worked together and had good runs together. So uh, let's continue on that. 
What do you think? Uh, what do you think it would be like working in the shop if uh, he didn't tra- take him in this season? It could be some tense moments there, I would think. Right, some awkward moments, possibly. Isn't there another uh, Coke driver that runs for or works for Stuart Haas, and uh, he didn't get picked up by Stuart Haas this year? He hasn't been announced yet. I forget his name. Anyway, I'm, sh- I'm sure if something. If it ended up being they just couldn't pick him up, they they probably did something else to make them feel better. Well, I thought everyone's Brad getting picked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought uh, Brad Davies had a kind of a resurgence last year. He he was really competitive last year, um, and uh, so uh, yeah, this is a great team. One of the one of the heavy hitting teams of this of the season, I believe. Okay, speaking of great teams, um, Space Station Gaming, which is one of the new teams. Uh, this year has announced just today Malik Ray and Vince Vicente Salas, who uh, both are recent guests on this show. And uh, I, these guys take the award for best announcement so far of the Coke drivers on social media. They got a video they put out of an actual NASCAR with the proper space station paint job. Uh, Malik Ray up on the door. Uh, it's got his number on the car and so forth. And then the same, same thing with Vicente. It had his name and number, and they got to take their photo, basically, or video at the at the side of the car. And, and it looks really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Malik Ray was, uh, like, uh, peeling off the sticker that had his name above the, uh, above the window. It was really pretty cool. Cool video, really nice. And the cars themselves are really nice-looking cars. I love really? the paint job. I wonder where they shot that at. One thing I noticed is whenever they showed the Malik Ray shots in the video, it was the right side of the car. And whenever they showed Vicente, it was the left side of the car. So I'm thinking it's the same car with different door numbers on each side. And then they put the driver name different on each side and they just reused the same car, repurposed the same one. Still pretty awesome, though, to have (laughs) be able to go and go on location and shoot that. We'll have to get Bobby to tell us how much it costs is just to slap that wrap on there. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. They're in a big old room, uh, a stage that's all white, and they got the car in there, and obviously the wrap. It looks great. All right, guys, so we're going to go to some more uh, uh, results. Uh, this time it's going to be the eShort Course World Championship Cup. This uh, We talked about this list last week. Um, it's uh, sponsored by uh, Jim Beaver and Fistful Bourbon. And uh, the winner was Holden Heitritter. Um, and uh, he uh, takes the win in that event. And, and remember, the, the this is going to be broadcasted. This replay is going to be rebroadcasted on CBS Sportsnet on February 14th at 1 o'clock Eastern time, which uh, it's just about the time the Daytona 500 starts. But still, that's why they make DVRs, right? Yeah, I want to watch it for sure. It looks like it's going to be pretty cool. Last week, we talked about Brick by Brick, and it got some attention with iRacing, too. And uh, David Tucker chimed in and said that they're going to add support for dual throttle and brake inputs in iRacing, letting him be able to combine the paddles if he needs to or to use the handbrake and paddle together as well um now he already was able to combine the pedals interestingly because if you if you have the the analog axis at least i know on the on the advanced pedal module you can basically make them both control the same pedal or clutch or or whatever you want to um 
but the the fact that they're paying attention to something like this, you know, they 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 do, but it lets you know they're watching as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool that, you know, iRacing, you know, within a week of um, you know, Robert Wickens video saying, "Hey, I wish you did this." Hey, they've already got it in the code and they're going to release it. And iRacing's a, a great platform for that kind of thing because, you know, you can do that thing all in software and you know, as opposed to a real car, if you were trying to do something like this, it would take a lot more engineering. Where iRacing can probably just write some software code to uh, to to make something like this happen, like almost right away. And uh, yeah, so so now Robert Wickens, who 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 uh, broadcasted this video, who's the who's the uh, the uh, topic of this video series. Uh, yeah, so he can check this. He can uh, get this thing working like right away and check it out. Maybe get some input as to how well it works and uh, maybe make any adjustments to it if they need to. That's a pretty cool thing that, that is very specific that iRacing can handle without any trouble. Right. This takes uh, David Tucker an hour or two probably to write some code and do a little testing, and boom, it's done. Next up, uh, somebody on the forums, Robert Perry, uh, was asking, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to spot, but what's the best way to get the right perch You know, up above where you can see? And so I actually weighed in and told him, and I thought this is a good reminder for our listeners. Hey, uh, you, you know, get on a, a camera and then hit Control F12. That opens the camera tool, which then will allow you to use the keys A, S, D, and W, along with Control or Alt or Alone, um, and that will move the camera about. And I usually do like far chase. And then I go up in the air like 20 yards, and I go to the inside of the track about 50 yards, and I'm looking at a side view. And that's usually the best way to spot where you, with the triples because you can see the, the cars in front to the left and the cars behind and on, on the right side um, and so forth. Um, another neat trick to move the camera around uh, but isn't really great for spotting is you can hit Control-Z, and then move your mouse while holding down the mouse buttons and fly around like a bird. See, the other thing that I found, I use this for video editing and stuff too, but um, I've got myself a, an Xbox controller that I've mapped all the buttons on the two that uh, control the cameras. And uh, I can move it around that way just like I'm you know, driving around the car. I can use the, the controller that way. So... If you have like a spare Xbox controller or something like that, you can map those buttons to to anything and, and move around the world any way you would like uh, with the controller. That's almost like controlling a, a drone flying around, wouldn't it be? Yeah, that's how you get some, some of these shots that are being shown in some of these replays and stuff, the way that they video edit it. That's how they're doing it. Like you can, it's so much easier to record something and, and just use a controller freeform moving around and it's you can get like the best shots that way i'll have to remember that for the next uh ladies of i racing race yeah yeah that's, that's, a, a, that's a good point yeah one more tip is um use this the stationary camera like pit road camera and then move that one because if you're on the chase you're following a particular driver but if you're on the pit road camera it's stationary and you can go position yourself up in the stands and be sitting like at the top row at the center at the start finish line or whatever and and stop and be sitting in the stands and then use the control z to turn your head from left to right do you think that's uh, cool oh sorry brian no no go ahead 
I was just going to say, do you think uh, iRacing should have a default, at least for the ovals side, like a spotter where you actually, it goes, the first spotter thing is where, where they actually stand at the stand. track. That would be that cool. Would, like a camera that's called spotter, right? Yeah, and then what they should do is they should kind of create like a binoculars uh, vision with it. Push a button and it gets zoomed in or... Yeah, that wouldn't just be that's handy. That's a really good idea. And that wouldn't be just handy for uh, spotters, but uh, ad- live admins who actually like to call their cautions could use that as well. Yeah. Right, because uh, uh, what I was just thinking real quick was that, you know, uh, when you, as a driver, because my kid was just talking to me about this because he does some racing games on the on his uh, PlayStation, and he's like, how come you can't? How come you can't watch you know drive from behind the car? I was like, well, this is a simulation. You drive the car from inside the seat. That's where you actually see what when you're when you're driving. Why can't there be a simulation for spotters to be in the same spot that the spotter would be at the race? You know, and maybe uh, you know have the option for binoculars and stuff to make it more of a simulation for the spotters as well. Do you think that if you're going to David's saying there with the admin, do you have to go into a race control inside the building then? And uh, sit there. Under glass. <laughs> well, they usually also have access to a lot of the, all the camera footage as well as as an aerial view. And they also have a spotter in, in in all the corners calling out accidents and debris and stuff like that. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, maybe where you might, the spotter told them to stay on the track here. Do you think this last this next uh, post here uh, was brought up in the forums? Uh, John Brown posted a video of. <laughs> someone taking the win on the uh in the tcr on the outside at spa on the exit so on that track that's just a 1x on the exit there there's no slowdowns because you used it as a uh as an escape route uh to get around it looks like obviously he was being forced off the track and with the way that they were racing there but i don't know this always is a gray area you know if you use tr- off track limits do, does it consider it a win it is. I mean, uh, a win is a win is a win. And did he get a black flag for it? No. He was forced off the track, clearly. So that that puts it that makes it a very gray area. Well, he was doing what he was supposed to be doing, avoiding contact, too, right? I mean, he didn't avoid another... it. He got hit and then and pushed out. But that's what I'm saying. Like he was trying to avoid the contact. But there yeah. also is another video showing the same driver doing a thing on that the corner before that. Uh, you know, t- egregiously taking the uh, runoff there, which I don't, I don't, I don't like that one. That one seems a little uh, more risky of, and not really a legitimate pass. You can't really go out there to make a pass on somebody. Well, maybe they need to have a slowdown for going out there. That one should have a slowdown, and I think they took that away when they did all those other problems, didn't they, David? Um, I was surprised he didn't get a slowdown when I looked at it. I was like, how did he do that without getting a slowdown? So I'm, I'm not sure. But they can protest it and let uh, and iRacing figure it out. Season it doesn't say. Friday. So uh, if you go onto the forums. Uh, I think we just lost Brian. He can't. He kind of came in, in and out. Yeah, he cut in and out and then uh, dropped out. So I'll take his topic up and I'll be kind of winging it here. Tyler Hudson has announced that the community-based Season 2 schedules are and the length of race requests are due or open, actually, until February 12th. And we have a bunch of links on the show notes. You can check it out at the site. So go on there if you want input on the track choices. 
Yeah, this is just a sampling of the links. They're basically going to every single series has their own forum. And he posted in each and every one of them. This is just five of the however many there are. But uh, yeah, if you want to participate and, and put in the schedule together, there's a you have to go in there and work as a team, as a community, and uh, provide that input. Every was, series needs Iris and Speedway. I was yes, just going to say, go. does that series have the Carburetor Cup? Is there one in there too for that so that you can kind of request that next time as a... No, I don't actually, now that you say that, I don't think that one is or some or yeah. series like that, no. But they already did run there. It just wasn't the very next week. But it, I'm sure it was the highlight of, uh, of Mike's day. Well, we got members' uh, highlights again here. Uh, iRacing released, uh, released December's um, top mem- 10 members' highlights. And I haven't had a chance to see this video, but, um, you know, these it's, videos it's are normal really greatness. <laughs> it's, uh, these videos are always just en- entertaining to, to, to get through, uh, and see like the first one here I'm just, that we're watching here is, uh, obviously, uh, the Porsches, uh, racing at spa and going three wide down the back stretch or down the, the long straight. Yeah, there's a really nice uh, win on the new iRacing Super Speedway that was three wide, and that was really close. That one was really neat. These are always, uh, like I said, we're, they're always well done, and uh, it's it's definitely a good to uh, that they keep doing these. And then the new Delara car, um, it's cool to see those guys uh, mixing it up on track. You know, I haven't, I didn't buy that car yet, and uh, haven't seen it much, so it's kind of cool to see it. Well, you guys ready to hit the uh, the elephant? All right, let's talk 24 hours. Uh, we, we got it in three sections. We're going to talk before the race, during the race, and after. So before, hey, Daytona, we have a problem. Uh, apparently, uh, while I was at work, you guys were experiencing trying to get uh, registered for the race, and it didn't work. And some four and a half hours later, I think it was, is when the race got started. So... Uh, David, you were part of that. Tell us from your perspective what happened. Oh, it was basically four hours of anxiety and and deja vu, right? Because we had the kind of we had the same issues happen with Le Mans. Um, uh, it, you know, we we signed up and it span and span and span, and it never the servers never launched. Well, I think the biggest anxiety there. Sorry, Tony. I think the biggest anxiety there is if it all of a sudden gets going, are you going to get missed, right? Yeah, there's that definitely because the um, I want I've got my points that I know I planned on hitting, so I guess I'll I'll hit them right now because we're talking about pre race. Uh, there's uh no, I'll save those points. I'll hit those a little bit later. But yeah, the, you're definitely worried about when there's only thirty minutes whether or not you're going to get any time to practice or not. I'll say you had anxiety. I was I was at work and I was on Teamspeak in the phone on my my phone and trying to coach. Uh, david flowers in uh, on the start there and it just it like i said it kept spinning and spinning and spinning and we four hours later we're sitting there trying to figure out our schedule but and it luckily ended up working out for us yeah everybody i'm sure had to adjust their schedules we had a couple of guys who had to be gone for work and so i had to shift uh shift my second shift around to the middle of the night basically well even even ours like i was trying to judge it off because i think we, we switched tom and myself on our race and 
it just screwed up what I was trying you know, you're, you're trying to figure out where you're going to slot in eventually. And, uh, and then I, I was, I was supposed to be done before it even got, uh, into the, you know, late night. And, you know, now I'm driving at like midnight and stuff. And, you know, we've been up since 8am trying to figure it all out. Right. Right. So it makes it a lot uh, longer day. It's not a 24 hour day. It's a 29 hour day, <laughs> you know? So what was also interesting, and I was at work and kind of watching on my phone what was happening, social media uh, during the four and a half hour delay was interesting for sure. Uh, I mean, people irate, you know, the typical, you know, cancel culture, um, you know, people were out there. There's other people that were providing, uh, you know, try to say constructive feedback. Uh, one of them was champweb.net on uh, Twitter. He wrote a, a long essay almost to uh, Steve Myers, Dale Jr., and even John Henry about what they should do about this. Yeah, he hit uh, uh, that they were pretty displeasured with it, and they suggested that next season be focused on infrastructure and personnel updates instead of uh, new vehicles and track releases. It's not a bad idea. I mean, like you said before, I mean, it, they have a habit of this happening, it seems like, with the big events, and they really need to get away from that. But I think the biggest issue, you know, I guess, you know, I warned us last week about this. This could possibly happen. Um, but, you know, the Friday night one didn't have a huge problem because of the amount of people. Obviously, it's the Saturday one that always seems to you know, that's the one that attracted the most people. So, you know, it was an unexpected amount of splits that was being created and they just didn't have the stuff. But do you think, I just don't know if you, you know, you divert some of your resources to try and fix some of these problems, but iRacing's done a hell of a good job over the years trying to, to get their content and everything out that they want, they do. I don't think you should be de deserting that, that path to change it all of a sudden because you know, we're going to get what happens when Tony uh, doesn't get stuff for his ovals. You're going to have all these people complaining, oh, now there's no content. And then you're going to lose people too. So what do you, what do you do, right? Like you, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, right? Yeah. Nobody will be happy. Yeah. I think we'll talk about some of the response, some of what they're going to do and what they do later on in the topic. So the next thing is the actual race happened, Brian. Yeah. So, uh, one of the first uh, posts that came up was uh, Ty Majeski. Um, so we all know Ty Majeski, the, the late model uh, driver. He's an excellent rate, rate, late model driver. He posted uh, that uh, on Twitter. He's like, he's anticipating the 24-hour race. And uh, also posted a video explaining that his, his vaunted sim rig, which everybody knows who knows about him, he just races on a laptop computer with a, an old G27 clamped to a desk. That's the only, th only thing he's ever used. But uh, when he was practicing with it, it was fine. But when he started to do uh, get into uh, sessions with a whole lot of people, it was not working for him. So he had to, uh, to abandon his sim rig if you want to call it a rig and he his, luckily his roommate is uh Derek Krauss and uh he has a very nice VRX rig that he used uh so that was his backup rig which is a uh, which uh, kept him racing that day another post i found in the forums during the race it said from Alexander uh, Gingler from Illinois he said i i know this was an old post but someone in my 24 hours had a hot mic 
and got arrested for breaking into an office complex in his apartment building for internet since his didn't work. Once his mic got stepped over and we couldn't hear him uh, anymore, his teammate kept us informed. This is this is like that van stuff that we were talking about when the guy was in his van <laughs> racing and you know, you can't hear the cops. I was like, what are these things that go on when we're racing? What kind of felony will you commit to run the 24 hours of Daytona? <laughs> good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. There might be a good title idea, too. Well, um, I know uh, Casey Kerwin might have wanted to commit a felony after what happened to him. So I think he, he was a victim of a, of a felony there. <laughs> so Casey uh, posted on uh, Twitter. Twitter here or on Twitter here, I guess actually it was is it Jimmy Broadbent posted on it, posted it, but um, he got absolutely destroyed by a car. I guess it obviously got off into the grass and uh, I can't remember what that turn's name is, um, but you just have nowhere to go. You're turning in and that car is coming through the grass and they're not stopping. It's <laughs> they're pretty uh, you're pretty done. I think they're on the same team, but that ended their day because they really got nailed. They say it looked like something happened in our split. Anytime, anytime one of those prototypes gets hit in the side, that's usually the worst damage because it, it just won't get fixed. Uh, you take front if your wing or front clip gets messed up, they can actually just swap those out, and you're right back to new. Uh, some other post-race uh, notables: Beast Racing uh, team owner Drew Adamson, who is also a recent guest. Celebrated his team win with the Beast Racing drivers Brock, Hop- Brock Hopkins, Ellis Davis, Payne Faust, and Jack Wells. They won. Uh, cool for Drew. Nice paint job on that car, too. We also had ABK Alien or Allen Sports team, which featured Rubens Barrichello, Ali Bacala, Isaac Gillison, and Fernando Alonso. And they took it to second place in their respective splits. And I hope I came close on those pronunciations. I think it's so cool that Fernando's uh, uh, in the race. I, did, I just think that's awesome. Who was the winner of that one if you got those top-class drivers? Well, you know who weird? won the top split, right? Or are they in the top? Were they in the top split one? Were they? Nah, no, they were not. Yeah, I didn't no. think so. I didn't think they were in the one Rogers and them. Yeah, I'll give you one. Well, you just guessed it. It was Rogers. Yeah, and Bert, be Brian Rogers and um, the other big red road name DeJong was in there as well. And Max yeah, so, yeah, that was a Coanda um, Sim Sports team. So yeah, they, they only had a three three driver team, but when three your three drivers are Josh Rogers, Max Backham, and Mitchell DeJong, you're gonna have a good day. And uh, yeah, so they did. They uh, took the uh, top split championship at um, at the Daytona 24. Um, so what you know that's a that's a mega team right there and uh looking through the um through the uh results of that race uh the second place was uh Williams a uh, Williams eSports team and I think they were on the same lap if I'm not mistaken so uh I'll, I'll double check that again but it was um, three more really good drivers on their team and uh so uh it was a great great uh great finish for those guys um they pretty much came out to and did what probably most people would have expected a team like that. And uh, three drivers, so they each got a, quite a bit of a seat time in that race, too. Well, and they that was the broadcasted race, too, right? Yes. And then we have the guys that run solo. Um, we found Ian Plash and Keenan Cousin 
they both ran their individual races solo the full 24 hours, which will DQ you, but they did it anyway, and raised actually $5,576 for Miracle Network Hospitals um, and uh, 850 laps for Ian and 837 laps for Keenan. Well done. Didn't we have one in ours too, David? Wasn't yeah, was it was his name actually it was a four letter Asian name. I can't a Tomo, maybe? Yeah, they were talking they were talking about it most of the race and a lot of the streams that we were watching, uh, that they were running a full twenty four hours for charity as well. Let's talk about the winner of your race, guys. Well, David, who wants to start? Me or you? Well, you got the name on the on the script, so go for it. <laughs> well, how do we get Team Nez Nezboys? Nezboys? Nazboys? I guess uh Nasboys, like NASCAR. They, yeah, I know. That's they took uh they took the win. That would be Garrett Smedley, Anthony Alfredo, Lando Castle, Danny Hansen, and James Davidson finished their race. Who? In <laughs> all the guys that uh we raced against, right? <laughs> so yeah, that was a good race. Uh the best part of this, I thought, was interacting with them on their streams. Uh, obviously, we were in the car back and forth going around. We finished second to these guys. And and getting in and out of the car and being able to interact with them on their streams and stuff all night was probably one of the more entertaining things to do. And it was more it made this 24-hour race like that much better, right? So yeah. it, it was fascinating to me, Greg, the clips of them studying you and how fast you are through the bus bus stop. It, it's like Landon Castle and James Davison. Oh, you know, he goes a little, he goes one car le- length to the left further than you do. And he's getting a better run. And they're like dissecting your lap, trying to figure out how to beat you. Yeah, we, <laughs> this was kind of, I don't know. This was kind of made my ego uh, a little bit there when I, uh, I think my first time out on my first run, I went around uh, uh, Anthony Alfredo on the outside of turn one and passed him and drove away. And then I passed um, Landon here on the second run to get us within a lap of them. And yeah, they, it was it was it was quite fun uh, doing all this uh, with these guys. These guys are uh, top notch racers, and you know it's kind of just another thing that I didn't, I've only been in this car for a little bit over, you know, David, you've been in it for a week and I had probably a couple, you know, one or two races before that. Um, so I, I, I felt pretty proud about it. I don't know what you felt, thought about the car and the race, David. Uh, it was fun and exciting. Now, you know, I started the race and went in really conservative. In fact, uh, we ended up having the most improved positions tied with Alan Pajari's team because we both us and him started at 26 and took it all the way up to second. I uh, and in those first two hours, I drove from twenty sixth to thirteenth, but I was being super conservative. And in that process, James had already lapped me once in those first two hours. But James was was dropping, was it thirty threes, while the rest of us were were turning thirty fours and thirty fives. He was just yeah. James Davison knows the track, and and that car is probably not doesn't feel that different from an Indy car. And, you know, he's currently an IndyCar driver. You know, we, we had a retired IndyCar driver. He They had a part-time IndyCar driver uh, who is really – I mean, well, actually, Richie was close to that speed. But, you know, the rest of us just kind of spotted him too much too much distance early. 
being trying to be safe but we finished the race that was that was what i said is i would i'm i don't i just want to stay out of the trouble and i did well i asked you guys how how could you have won the race and it was just you lost those laps early it was really what it came down to well the the answer was not race james well yeah if the worst part is is and david i have to commend david on the the first part of that race because the hardest part of that race is to start it and make sure you get through it and have a car for the next driver to get you know get two or three hours in and get let some of the people weed themselves out of the race and and get and get into a rhythm and just drive and david did a great job on that first lap and a half avoiding a bunch of chaos and you know i think david ran like a two minute lap on the first lap and you know when he's running a 132 you know we already lost 30 seconds in the first lap and it's it's really hard to get back from that but you know <laughs> if we started up further who knows we might have not had a car to even do this racing so you know david took it up to 13th in the first first run and then t- tom hopped in the car i think tom got it up to seventh and then i hopped in and i i just was outside i, I think i was catching the second place i was in third and then tom brought it into second and then i think we stayed second for most of the rest of that night second to third and then we were you know me david and and tom took the first half of the race the first 12 hours we took up and then the uh second 12 hours was our other three drivers uh richie hearn uh chris what's what's chris last name regan i think and uh i don't know i don't know michael's last name and my and another michael anyways sorry about that michael um but anyways they did a great job in the middle of the night and brought it home you know we stayed second uh, we were three laps ahead of the third place guy. We were, t- you know, I brought us within a lap at one point, and then we got two laps down after we driver changes and split and just shift change in the middle of the night. And but man, it was <laughs> it was bad. Like I was in some of these streams too. Like you know, I, I kept telling Landon Castle on the stream, "We're coming for you guys" and all that stuff. It was it was quite funny to just you know give a shout out to them and and just interact with them because they all had their streams up. Um, and you know, David had his up. I wish I would have had mine going cause that's probably the best run I would have done to, to have, but, um, I'll take a P2 and a race that it didn't look like we were going to get off in the morning there at all. Okay. So let's talk about the fun car. I mean, Tony, uh, tell us how that car started off and we ended up P20 at the end of the day. Well, about a week before, I was actually going to start off the race. And then I realized, oh, I got to work Saturday. So we uh, unanimously decided to throw in the road ringer, David Flowers. Um, well, our split, well, we're lower split. So how'd that go, Brian? I know you were watching. Uh, yeah, I was watching David and his first stint. And, uh, yeah, we we had a little troubles early. Um, we had a... Um, quite a few uh, incidents off tracks and stuff like that to kind of set us back a little bit um, until David got his, uh, his feet underneath him basically. So uh, once he got, uh, he got through uh, an hour of his first stint and he had an emergency that he had to leave after that first hour, which kind of threw his schedule off again because he was supposed to go two hours for the first stint. So uh, after his uh, stint, uh, Tony Groves took over him, um, an hour earlier, he was ready to go. Thank goodness. So he was ready to take over an hour earlier and uh, did his stint, and he he did fairly well too. So uh, 
we didn't have a terrible start. We uh, we didn't fire anything, so we started at the back of the field. We were just being careful at the beginning. Um, so uh, once Tody got got in, he uh, he ran uh, pretty solid, uh, not too many major issues. And then uh, I think he gave it to you, right, Tony? Uh, I think so. Yeah, but um, I just want to say that all the guys that on on the fun team that never raced a twenty four hour race before did really really well. Um, Brian, you did really well. Tony did really well. Chris did really well. He actually did really, really well after my second stint where, um, after pretty much spending 12 hours in this new, new, uh, seat that I've had, um, between watching the race and racing and then doing a broadcast and going back to racing, um, everybody for not being a road racer with the fun team did really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't wind up getting my first stint until um, four in the morning, so that was like fourteen hours into the race before I got behind the wheel. But I probably had watched about four hours of everybody else driving leading up to it, though. So uh, by the time I got it, uh, Mike had been in it. And Mike did really well. Yeah, I had yeah. front end damage, and so it was off a second or two off the pace. So. I mean, yeah, even even being second off, we were still doing uh, 45s and 47s and stuff like that. So we were still being a little bit competitive. Um, I know when I my first stint, I, I got it from like 29th down to like 20th. And we just pretty much just hovered around there for the rest of the race. Now, Brian, Tony, and Mike. And Mike, you've run a 24-hour before, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've done it with the Delta. You did it in the Corvette seat, like the the old Daytona cars. Tony, have you run one before? Yeah, I ran with uh, you guys uh, two years ago in uh, Ferrari. Okay. And Brian, you said, is this your first one? Yeah, I've, I haven't even owned uh, a GTE or <laughs> LMP2 car until probably about a month ago. And, uh, you know, I really didn't even get into the cockpit and really start practicing until about a week before the race. So my goal was just to learn the track, learn the car, and be as safe as I could possibly be, I guess. And uh, I didn't do too bad, I think, considering. Now, in your class, did you guys have GT3s uh, in it as well, or is it just was it GTEs and prototypes? Nope, it was all uh, 54 oh. GTEs. Oh, okay. we, didn't, we didn't even GTs. have GT3s, man. I know. That's why I was just trying to, I was just trying to see if any of that stuff, but... Um, no, so what did you guys? How did you guys find it? Obviously, you didn't have to have any slower traffic, um, class-wise. But how did you find making your way around drivers that were having problems or things like that in that race? <laughs> uh, you just had to watch for it. I mean, yeah. like Tony Groves, he uh, he had a video I saw where he was going into the bus stop, and the guy was parked like literally sideways across the bus stop, and there was nowhere to go, and he kind of t-boned him. I'll say my first thing, I had this car that just kept blinking in and out, and uh, he ended up causing pretty much two crashes that I ended up getting part of, which didn't damage the car at all. Um, I got lucky, but other than that, um, faster cars I let by with no issues, and faster, slower cars they let me by, and it wasn't too bad. Well, I'm glad you guys were able. We didn't get many highlights, but I'm glad you guys, uh, you know, enjoyed your race uh, for Team Fun there because. Uh, I know you guys were stoked to try and do it uh, as uh, this race, right? You know, just to do it for you guys that haven't raced much on the roadside like David and I do. Oh, uh, I definitely say I definitely had fun, uh, especially with the my new eighty twenty rig and the way the I can 
actually break better uh, with it now, and I actually had really fun doing it. I had a really yeah, good three-hour stint. I had a blast. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I spent a lot of time watching other guys racing and uh, and uh, just hanging out with them while they were racing. And uh, yeah, it was for me. I, I just had a. It was just a great event. You know, a, a great team building event and, and uh, friendship building event, even. So yeah, so it was. I thought it was everything I was hoping it would be, and then more. Yeah, it, Brian, you did good for uh, crew keeping. And just to recap for <laughs> us, it was exciting, and. It was exciting and kind of almost, uh, uh, yeah, kind of ego boosting to sit there and chase down a, bu- a bunch of pros essentially for our whole race. Yeah, like it's like I was saying, they were like, I was like, like I went, or when we finished our stints, I think um, I got out of the car and handed it, I handed it to you last, right? You were the last of the four of our front three to go. And that was like, what, midnight? Yeah. So, I was kind of like, you know, the adrenaline when you're done, when you're done the race at that time, you got adrenaline and, you know, I was feeling really good. That stint was, I think that last stint that I had was like a pain in the butt. I had a pain in the butt driver who just, just was, you know, he couldn't, I wanted to let him by. And, you know, David was taught the other thing is David was kind of like in my ear, just, you know, be patient with this guy. And, you know, I was, I was obviously faster than him, but on the straights, obviously he could catch us with the, with the, drafting and stuff like that but he just couldn't get off the corner so i'd always pass him and then he'd get me on the second part of the the second straight after the bus stop and it's like you know we're do this for a couple laps and he was causing problems and i think that one time he hit us on the banking for no reason and you know we were just trying to just trying to survive there and um you know it, but trying to go to bed after you get out of the rig at like 12 o'clock at night with the adrenaline stuff was was quite hard and then when I woke up in the morning, you know, and just, you know, logging on to our discord and stuff like that and make, you know, see how we're still doing and getting updates and all that stuff. It was, you know, I think that was one of the more, that was one of the most enjoyable events that I've been a part of, uh, especially for the 24 hour, uh, since I've been on iRacing. Oh, and you're trying running second. That's a great finish. Yeah. So something that would definitely get the adrenaline going is watching this opening video. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, uh, we were talking earlier that, um, they broadcasted the top split of the of the 24 hours and uh iRacing posted a video with uh, just an introduction to the race um and man they could really put a video together that that gets your um get your uh, adrenaline going cuz it was so well done um you see uh you see those guys from Coanda uh starting the race up in front and uh it was a just another fantastic video iRacing put out that really uh gives you a feel for the beginning of this race do you think one of the best things that they added to the camera is just the little shake when the cars go by? I think it just adds another element to when they make these videos. Uh, a better video was Nicholas Vroman put up on Twitter how he's going to protest this guy who ran into him. So what happened is they got through the uh, exit of turn one there, and they just barely touched. It was just an incident. And it sent the guy on the right through the grass, he ended up on the other side of the track going backwards on the track around the, the horseshoe uh, hairpin and ran into the guy head on. So, like, he, he went across the grass, he went backwards on the track, found the guy that hit him and ran right into the front of him. I mean, huge, you know, protest. Well, the worst part is, and I think we talked about this in the chat, 
is both incidents on the track were the guy's fault. So the red car in the video we're showing here, he doesn't give the black car on the inside space after he screws up turn one, gets into him, and then is mad at him, comes across the grass, goes the opposite way, and hits a car. Like, all this, like, it's a long race. Just slow the car down on the grass, get back on the track, and go. There's no need for that. He'll be parked for that, yeah. And, uh, you know, we had a similar issue last year where a guy had hunted us after uh, one of our old teammates, Craig, had gotten into a ruffles with him. And then and then he came and wrecked me on purpose, even though it was Craig that hit him. Um, and this is different. You know, a lot of times you'll put in an, uh, a protest for an incident in an official race. And, and you'll get the email saying, yeah, the guy messed up, but it wasn't really on purpose. So, you know, you get multiple drop weeks. We'll watch the driver, blah, blah, blah. There's no multiple drop weeks for the 24. It's a once-a-year event. So there needs to be a stiffer penalty. Yeah, well, you're, I, you're just not you're just not wrecking the one guy. You're wrecking his whole team, you know, a whole whole group of people. So it's, it's really bad. Well, yeah, and those people, you know, they either – take the day off work or you know there's a lot of stuff that goes into this 24-hour race to to do it and and even the if i was that guy's teammate could you i would be i would be all out i'd probably po protest to myself like that's just a bonehead move to finish your day off he's finishing off both teams not just one of them yeah this other video greg is pretty cool uh the tw 24 hours and 60 seconds yeah so um Who's posted this? Just trying to see. Great job, Collage. Yeah, great, great job, Collage. Posted it on his YouTube channel. That's a twenty-four hour, or a, a time lapse in sixty seconds of the twenty-four hour race, and it's a really nice uh, shot here, just showing how the track changes and how everybody going by, and you know, overnight and into the day. It's the time lapse videos are really a good a good way to see you know, how a track changes and how every the whole outlook of the race changes, like when the sky is going across and, you know, going from day to night was such a game changer in iRacing and, you know, seeing it in this video really definitely shows that. Yeah, yeah I was, uh, I remember talking to Dave Flowers, who was on our team. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been around iRacing for a while, but I'd never done any of the these endurance events and he was telling me how you know back in the day before the day night transitions it used to be like night the whole time he raced and uh yeah I, I, it wouldn't be nearly as cool when when the sun starts coming up or going down depending on what what a uh, session you're in to see that transition the track's going to change and everything else and uh it's just amazing how realistic they've get, they've gotten this event down who uh who on the team got Dusk and who got Dawn uh, for your stints? And were they in VR? Because VR looks the best when they come, when the sun comes up and goes down, it always looks the best in VR. Say so it wasn't me. I was all night. I was all night. I don't know. I got the, the, best, uh, the morning. I did the, the morning. I got the sunrise. So uh, that was pretty cool. The best view anywhere uh, in the sim, I think, with VR is a is a cloudy or overcast day at Sebring at sunset. It sits it you the the turn's called sunset. You're coming down the home stretch and it it's the the clouds are just orange coming at you and then fading into gray and it's it that's the best scenery in the entire service. So how about the closest uh, finish in the race uh, Brian? 
Yeah, so uh, so imagine racing 24 hours and it coming down to a last, uh, you know, the last lap pass, you know, two cars side by side. Uh, iRacing posted this video of what had to be the closest finish of the entire event where uh, Tim Grieven chased down the leader and they just finished side by side uh, in the BMW. And uh, wow, it's hard to imagine after that long of a time that two cars uh, can be that close. I mean, I know our race winner won by like 10 laps. So, it, so this is quite a, quite a close finish compared to probably a lot of the splits that were out there. Now, Brian, also take into effect there is, you know, they have a minimum of two drivers to six, you know, up to sit four to six drivers to have everything equal out after 24 hours when you go between, you know, you could have up to 12 different drivers in those two cars and to have it equal out after 24 hours is amazing. Now, the winner was in second going into the bus stop and I asked the team, is that the place to be? And it looks like it. Cause that guy who was leading going into the bus stop, there was nothing he could have done. I mean, but, the guy had a draft and it, he just used it. Yeah. Two weeks ago, remember I, I took the win at Daytona in the Yakura race and it, I stayed behind the guy for three laps, even though he made several mistakes in front of me for the same reason. Cause there's, you, there's no way to hold off the, the, the car coming, coming out of the bus stop. It's just almost always too big of a run. <laughs> Now watching that, also that prototype or the uh, the P LMP two that came by on the outside was not needed. He didn't need to pass those two going side by side at the end of the race there. But the only way you can probably, if you're the lead car coming out of that bus stop, the only way you could possibly get a better, um, you know, a better shot at trying to get down that straightaway without getting drafted is you got to slow them up before you get to the bus stop. You got to change the way the person go, gets into that butt stop so you can get out of there and get further gone before the draft starts kicking in. Okay, so let's break into what iRacing has posted about what happened, what went wrong uh, with the delay of the event. Um, and we're, there's a lot of good information here, and David and I are just going to take turns reading it here. So I'll start off. This past weekend saw the largest single event in terms of participation in iRacing's history. Across both time slots, we saw a total of 11,708 participants, including 9,981 in the broadcast time slot. Once the second time slot eventually launched, we saw one of the greatest events in iRacing history as well. Feedback from the community regarding the impact that declaring drivers had on the quality of racing in each split has been overwhelmingly positive. With only limited exceptions, the splitting system led to competitive races from top to bottom. There were, of course, a few turn one dramas and questionable overtakes, but on the whole, we saw amazing in-class racing in a diverse spread of vehicle manufacturers across all splits. Go ahead, David. Well, and he said if this uh, was the story, they would have been able to celebrate the event. However, it wasn't the full story. The event also featured a start delay due to unforeseen and unique technical issues with the race scheduling. And he wanted to clarify some misconceptions. The set of circumstances wasn't due to the lack of equipment, hardware, or capacity. And it also was not specific to the UI, but instead exposed a flaw in the race scheduling implementation. The race scheduling encountered a deadlock and terminated the scheduling activity, and it did not attempt it until the uh, 1300 GMT event again. 
Okay. And then once it was determined that the race server launch had failed, our staff began working to identify the problem and made a number of call changes over the next 90 minutes in order for us to give us the membership the opportunity to start the event. Once the changes were in place and the minimum testing was complete, the updated server time start time was announced. Practice sessions were launched 10 minutes later. We did note that because, uh, sorry, I lost my place there. These issues related to contention for shared resources and specifically for specific rows in the database related to scheduling the session. And so uh, he goes on to explain what happened, but it has to do with the new uh, system they implemented where you pick the drivers ahead of time. Yeah, which resulted in people going ahead and registering that normally would wait until the race was already rolling so that they could successfully uh, sandbag their I rating, right? And so where do we go from here? Moving forward, um, you know, they're going to make some changes. So they did meet Monday to debrief. Uh, they're going to have uh, an updated communication plan that will feature an increase in the frequency of updates, even when minimal information is available. Um, they're going to update the timing of special events to minimize the impact of one event ending while another is launching. So that means different start times. We will keep the standard broadcast split at the same time, but you will see some adjustments and additions to other time slots to help disperse the participation. So they're talking about changing the Friday night one then because the Saturday one is the one that they broadcasted, wasn't it? They're going to add additional slots. So the 12 hours of Bathurst, they announced, is going to be four slots to run. Well, you may not have noticed, but when when uh, our, when the 24-hour ended, our 24-hour, iRacing's website went down probably for about 30 minutes, right, for maintenance, uh, just from the servers all shutting down. Um so they're going to try to avoid that. It wasn't. It didn't become a problem this time because they, they races were staggered by twelve hours, but were twenty four hours long. However, Sebring twelve hours, one will be ending when the other one's starting. Uh, they also have some intent to, uh, with the, with they're. I think you might have already hit this, but they're going to try to be a little bit more communicative than they already were and i felt like they weren't completely in communicative greg was posting several times and they put messages out on twitter and we actually had a little bit of of an inside picture over on the major server christian was talking to us a couple of times and then uh um but you know what happens when something like this is going on we talked about it just a little bit earlier there's a there's a a anxiety that just builds and if you sit there for even 10 minutes in this social media world we're thinking what's going on what's going on so i almost think it wouldn't be a bad idea to have literally a live stream from iRacing hq of the launch and so they're just sitting here keeping us up to date on what's going on that's not a Dave, didn't didn't the uh, forums even shut down for a while in that in that period yeah they did and, and you know um so I think that would be a good idea. And they're talking, the $5 is a good idea. I think overall, you know, they sort of learned their lesson for the most part. The $5 credit immediately was a good part of Goodwill. And Greg West was was putting out um, a lot of good information. Uh, but it would be... It, it would be nice to just have one guy there, almost like you have somebody watching Mr. Control in, in a... Uh, in a 
shuttle launch kind of thing or something. So, um, it, 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 it was pretty neat. Uh, sorry, I got a little, I lost my place as well. So at first I was pretty upset with the, um, with the situation, you know, I was like, hell, here we go again. But we saw the roster, the, the information, and it was pretty mind-boggling how much of a more, how much more of an increase in people there was, right? So uh, it went from on that split being 6,000 people to, or no, 2,000 people to, to 6,000 people. And that was pretty mind-blowing. And even though it wasn't a, a infrastructure issue, it would, when you get that kind of numbers, it's going to find a bug that might not get that might be hidden beforehand. Uh, the only concern I had, even you know, after I saw that number, I was like, okay, I'll cut them a little bit of a break. But there were two lessons that they forgot from last year. One, we ran multiple splits at Spa because of the problem with Le Mans. Two, why go back to thirty-minute warm-up when they learned they need to go to a one-hour warm-up? Um. How do you there, there's there's really is there a way for iRacing to test this out with that many people? How do you test for that um, beforehand to see what's what what bugs can pop up? You know, they, they they said that there was an unforeseen bug once you know it was working with all these different um, this amount of uh, people signing up where they where there was a conflict and it basically crashed itself. You know, how how do you do that? How do you uh, try to uh, test for that? Well, the question, the answer is, Brian, you really can't. Like, this was probably set up to be, you know, we, iRacing knows how many members they have and what they, they're, they're basically got stuff built for what they know, probably from last year's events and probably 24 hours of Le Mans and any of the other big special events last year as it grew through the season. But the amount of people, you know, iRacing's doubled in size membership wise. So, you know, there's no way of testing this until it happens. And then, so this year, this is happening. I don't foresee iRacing doubling in size again for next year's event. I mean, something could happen and it does that, but you know, I'm thinking maybe this is a, you know, the bug that they needed to figure out what the next one is, but they always grow each year. So it's not like they're staying static uh, with all these problems. Um, a new one's going to arise because we go from 2000, what did that, they would say 2000 to 6,000, you know, that's a big growth. And that's not double. That's, that's, I mean, that's really tripled to, to four times. Cause I think it, you know, it was, it was just a humongous jump. I mean, 11,000 actual drivers between both splits. Uh, but how many times do you see any kind of software get released? That's been through beta testing and then something doesn't show up until you throw it out and on the, on the big system, right? Uh, there's just some things that are not going to show until the system is, until the system is really tested. Well, like you're like you're saying, David, any anything that's got a big infrastructure that's relying on everybody flocking to it at at a at a, a big moment. It's it's one thing when we register for our races, you know, our NIS races or whatever during the week, and the start of the season you get all big numbers. But you know, between you know someone only someone registers at this time compared to someone registering two minutes before the race, and things like that happen. Whereas Everybody anticipates that thing to go green uh, for the practice session to open up and everybody clicks at the same time. And then this all the servers have to be created. And that's what they were finding as a problem is it just wasn't 
getting them filled. They weren't filling fast enough, uh, building the infrastructure around it to, to, to host all these people that flock at the exact, you know, same time. Like it's, it's like when people buy like, you know, graphics cards or new, new software or something online, when you, you know, go to Walmart and you click the buy button, if everybody clicked it at the same time, that's why it crashes. Right. Yeah, so they, they they stayed on top of it, and I mean, we did at least get to run it, even though it was it was four hours later. They 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 busted their butt on fixing it. Uh, so upset at the time, but happy in the end product. I guess was to be the best way I felt going through it. Yep. And to be fair, once it got up and running, there was no issues in game during that entire twenty four hour period that I saw. And uh, so yeah, so I don't think. I think I think overall, you know, despite that 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 uh, hiccup at the beginning where they had those issues, I think uh, you know, other than that, it ran really well, handling all those different cars and all those different splits at the same time. Are we done with the twenty-four hour topic? Yeah, we're done. On? Let's keep going. <laughs> I'll say, well, you guys forgot the one thing: you get the five-dollar credit. Oh yeah, they're giving a five-dollar credit to everyone involved. Have they said when they're doing it yet? Has it come through yet? It should already yep. be through, yeah. It's there. I haven't checked. Okay. Do you okay, so let's use it on. to uh, do the wild horse pass? Yeah, yeah that's a, that's a, you might want to get in that while it gets good because uh, apparently uh, the iRacing curse has struck again, this time at, in Mike's backyard down there in uh, Arizona, Phoenix uh, area, because uh, the there's a, a map of a new development where um, the motorsports park area is, which includes the Wild Horse Pass, which uh, fe- is featured in iRacing on the Pro Truck Series. So that that whole track complex might be disappearing in the not-too-distant future. So it looks like uh, some developers have gotten a hold of that land, and they don't want to keep it as uh, as race stuff. You know, and there's more than just pro trucks there. we got NHRA, you know, drag racing. That's right in the middle of that. Um, you got boat racing, and I've been out there for the boat races. There's a small little lake uh, where they do boat racing, and uh, yeah, it's really going to hurt um, motorsports in this area if this indeed is true. Do we have a do we have a problem brewing on our hands here? Where we got all these tracks in the you know around you know the United States and around the world, and and if they're not being used to the fullest, do we have a problem where these development places are going to start coming in and, you know, we're going to see some of these tracks just go away. It's not going to sit like a North Worksboro and just deteriorate forever. Like they're just going to be gone and, and built over. This, this is prime real estate in the Phoenix area. And that's really why it's probably, they can get more money, you know, with it being something else is what it comes down to. Yeah. And I'm sure they didn't have a great attendance year in the past, past season either with all that's been going on. That's probably hurt them quite a bit as well. All right, so next topic here, we got uh, NASCAR driver Chase Briscoe uh, has been uh, spotted uh, testing for, I guess, practicing for the Daytona 500. Um, So if you want to, he's going to put up a bunch of hosted servers uh, to practice for the 500 um, so you can go race with them. Uh, They're going to be password uh, protected. So if the password is uh, SHR. Um, but he's inviting everybody to uh, come and join uh, practice with them. I think that's pretty cool that you can uh, hop in with a, a cup driver and uh, mix it up. But yeah, he was posting that a few nights ago, looking for people to run with him. Well, and he's, if, if I don't, you know, I've, I really like 
Chase is an up and coming, Chase Briscoe here is up and coming driver. Um, you know, doing this kind of stuff too is only going to endear himself to the rest of the people and on the service and stuff like that as well. Um, because he's also participated in a lot of their, you know, when they were doing the Daytona stuff, he helped out with that, with the road course. And he seems to be pretty uh, helpful when it comes to, you know, doing doing things on iRacing. And now he's just doing his own thing off the side here. And it, it's just goodwill to, you know, you know, it's a person to cheer for. You know, he's a good driver and, you know, it endears you to your fans, right? And next up, we have drivers Landon Castle and Parker Klegerman throwing together another event. We've uh, we've had we haven't had Parker on, but we've had Landon on, and uh, we got to chase him down this weekend. But uh, this next event is going to be their next special event. It's a twenty five dollar entry fee, and if they're expecting about a fifteen thousand dollar purse, and it's going to be a three week event, uh, and it's going to be the COT car at Daytona. And I've I've run this combo before, and you're it's a pretty white knuckled situation. It, you oh yeah, it uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, so they'll be holding it over three three weeks, and there's details on this tweet on the website if you go to irishslounge.com. Looks like a fun race. Uh, they have a lot of heavy hitters in there. Um, I know Elliot Sadler said he signed up. Talking talk about heavy hitters, Monday night, I watched the uh, Podium Esports broadcast of Monday Night Racing League, um, and they brought on uh, Adam Alexander, Larry McReynolds, and Daryl Waltrip uh, to call the event, and boy, I was grinning from ear to ear uh, listening to these guys. Uh, just, you know, on my phone, I wasn't really paying attention to the race, but just to hear uh, the the banter back and forth to hear them talk about tire fall off and oh you know these boys are setting up for this and pull those belts tight and boy it was fun it was f- entertaining but at the same time you could tell that uh they didn't know some of the intri- intricacies of the current car and service because there was a couple times i heard larry larry make strategic predictions that were that were actually a little off Right. Like, uh, I think there was one thing he was talking about uh, being penalized for speeding on pit road. And uh, he misspoke a little bit from the way that iRacing does it. Because if you speed before your stop, it'll hold you. But if you speed after your stop, then you have to, you know, do a penalty. So, yeah. um, And on the final run, right, they, most of them, especially, there's tire fall off. At, at Miami. It's not Darlington, but it's definitely not, uh, say, what Charlotte, where the tires don't fade. There's 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 tire fall off, and he, he thought everybody would run their fuel tanks out instead of splitting the stint in half. And um, I, I, I called him out on that uh, while I was running a race that, uh, no, that's not right. Most of them will short pit, and they did. Yeah, guys, so uh, after three attempts at, uh, at the finish, uh, the winner winds up being Fast Pasta, Anthony Alfredo. He took the checker flag in that race. It's kind of a historic race. If you think about, um, you know, the uh, the announcing crew on that uh, on that on that channel with uh, Daryl and Larry Mack. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to Anthony Alfredo for taking the win on that race. And uh, that was the uh, that was the finale of that of that uh, series, wasn't it? Yeah, they start the playoffs at the next race. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, he beat uh, Raja Karuth. Uh, Raja looked like he was the car to beat, but uh, Anthony got it done on that last restart. I don't. I think Anthony was already pointed in. Um, where 
so I don't I don't I can't remember the details of who was pointed in and who wasn't. But yeah, that was the that was the regular season finale, and they still have the playoffs coming up. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Denny Hamlin dropped a hint that Bubba Wallace better be ready to get back on iRacing and run the Pro Invitational, and it's now official. iRacing has announced the return of the Pro Invitational Series for 2021. Yeah, it's going to be ten races, five on Fox, five on NBC. They're doing it in the middle of the season, right? Yeah, middle of the season and uh, midweek. I understand, like on a Wednesday night. So there's no, there's not a whole lot of new content coming out on the on network television anyway. As far as your entertainment television shows, they're all on reruns. Well, they got to get through this pandemic before they make any of these new TV shows and things like that, too, right? Uh, some places haven't been able to make it, but there's been a lot of places there where they have been getting filming done by throw, by doing some real strict protocols. All the actors have to go into into quarantine for two straight weeks before they even start filming. So there's some places that have got some work done. First event is March 24th, Bristol Dirt. So is, wow. is this what they were uh, broadcasting or announcing that was going to be on Friday nights? Right. So and It's Wednesdays. So they're making the first track Bristol Dirt, and they couldn't drive it when there was asphalt the last time they were there. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a cluster, isn't it? I hope they practice, but I, you know what? It's it, you know that just shows you they're trying to also pump up iRacing racing too there and and show it off, right? They're trying to just just use whatever they got. Obviously, iRacing racing now has a strict timeline to get that thing ready, and well. The actual Bristol race, is it before that date? Like, when is the Bristol dirt? I'm not it, sure. It'll be, that's usually an early spring race, right? Within the first 10 weeks? I think so it's say April. late March, early April. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought. So this will be way before that anyway. So iRacing will obviously have it out by then. Now, last time there was a lot of a lot of guys that were new to the service, you know, and it's and they quite hadn't switched to the mentality of even though you can wreck your car, you probably don't want to because they're not they're not experiencing the same fear of if you actually hit a real wall. Uh, they really just need to get out, get that fast repair out of there, especially two. Well, and they all learn. Obviously, this off season we've le- they've learned a lot of valuable lessons uh, through the iRacing service with talking and driving wise so let's just hope that obviously all these guys are going to be you know have the service now too so you know they might be testing more they might be on here more things like that since then because a lot of those guys jumped in early too right like right when you know they had to jump in and race the week that they started racing on iRacing like jimmy johnson did and stuff like that i'll say for the bristol dirt watch out for uh uh the king of bristol rowdy to win yeah, well, you got got to you got to go through probably Kyle Larson first. So June second, it says track to to be determined. I think Tom Dryling was speculating he thinks it'll be Nashville. Yeah, that's they're probably they're probably got that uh, bookmark like that because they're probably got to try and get out and get scanned, right? I don't know right. if they they, pro- they probably don't have the, it scanned yet and to get there and get it done probably once it warms up. I don't, you know, it's probably warmer there. It's it never, it doesn't snow there, does it? No. Uh, usually th- two or th- once or twice a year, maybe three times. So maybe they just wait till it warms up in the spring and they do it quickly. Anyways, let's uh, click on here to uh, the 12 hours of Bathurst. Uh, is Greg West announced it that that's the next uh, 
event here in uh it's in february from the 26th to the 28th um yeah and then went to four slots instead of two yeah so these are all going to be in uh, gmt time so friday night at uh, 11, uh, at 10 o'clock saturday at seven o'clock saturday at noon and saturday at at uh, four o'clock um, time greenwich mean time so um, so it's at Mount Panorama, so David's favorite track. Um, you only need a licensed deep 4.0 road for it. Uh, obviously, it's a 12-hour 12, 12 race. Looks like a stop-and-go penalty uh, is limited to 50 incidents, and after, uh, and every 20 thereafter uh, is a pass-through. Um, it's all GTE or GT3 clock cars, so the Audi R8, uh, BMW M4, Ferrari 488, G- the Ford GT, the, Lam- the new Lambo, the Mer- McLaren, and the Mercedes. Um, the balance of power they saying here will be evaluated and announced prior to the week of the event. So look forward to that update uh, the week before that. All right. Next, we have a video about the Ferrari GT Challenge, one of my favorite series. Um, none other than Fernando Alonso chasing down Tony Kanaan on the final lap to win the race at the Daytona road course. It was just like the other video we were talking about where he was second going through the bus stop. He got the draft off Tony Kanaan and Alonzo edged him out at the line. So uh, pretty cool to see some open wheel stars uh, duking it out. in in my favorite series, uh, as far as road goes, Ferrari GT challenge. But like you were saying, it, proves that you want to be that second car coming out of the bus stop uh, and make sure you're close and then you can definitely just use the draft to, to go on by. And un- unlike uh, plate racing, you can't throw a block there in, in, in road racing. It's def- it's against the culture. If, if you move if you make a move after the other person's already moved, it's a, it's a violation of it's the sporting form. code. Yeah, it's bad form. Uh, and if I was there, I would either make, make another move or just go ahead and turn you. <laughs> Honesty. So uh, here's some uh, interesting uh, reporting from NASCAR uh, insider Bob Hockeris posted that NASCAR is going to use the low downforce, high horsepower package for the Bush class and the Daytona road course this season. So last year, if you guys remember, they actually used the high downforce package for the Daytona road race when they uh, when they wedged that into the schedule after all the uh, changes that were going on. But uh, yeah, this year they're going down back to the low downforce with the extra horsepower. Um, so it's going to change up the way that track runs. And I'm assuming they'll do the same thing in iRacing. Now, uh, I remember when NIS was at the uh, Daytona road course, I had a little difficulty keeping that thing underneath me because all the, uh, you know, just because uh, the NASCAR, in, the stock car in general has such such a lot of torque at that low end, you know, when you're first gear coming out of some of these uh, tight turns, you know, I had a little trouble keeping it underneath me. So it's not going to make it any easier with the, with the extra horsepower and less downforce. So I'll need to practice that uh, quite a bit before that, that comes up on the NIS schedule. All I can say is, Oh, I'm salivating at this. I can't low downforce is going to be even better for me for this race. Well, they gave it to us six days after Bob announced it. We get it in the patch that was today. Yeah, there was a patch uh, that was released. Was this the one that was released this morning? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And here's the notes for it. Uh, They made some changes to the 3D model viewer. 
some fixes to the replay situation uh, changing. You can read the details on that if you'd like. Several changes to the cars. Uh, they did. They apparently accidentally took the power steering assist, steering ratio stuff out of the Delara, and they put that back in out of the 217. Uh, they've added setups for the IR18. They put the put a balance of power adjustment in for the Ferrari, increasing its downforce. That's interesting because uh, one of my guys that I run some of the LMP1 stuffs was talking about how the Ferrari, the 488, seems to be the best car at at the uh, Nordersklife track. What do we got here? Some changes on the cup cars? Yeah, that's the low down force mm-hmm. for Daytona. And so then it looks like they, re- they added some uh, strength, or sorry, they reduced the strength of the draft for the truck series at Daytona too. Yeah, there was a lot of people saying it was nerfed and uh, they obviously made an adjustment there. And they're talking, uh, I, th- I don't know if this note is directly related to that package or is just the overall car, but the downforce has been reduced with and engine cooling has been increased. Uh, the, the other thing I'm looking at here, David, do you think this uh, balance of power adjustments is going to affect us this week at uh, the, the M-Tech with the 488 GTE? Uh, well, more downforce at, at uh, Road Atlanta will be nice, but we'll have to probably have to adjust the set okay i once accidentally ran the daytona one of the when emsa was at daytona i once accidentally loaded my road atlanta set that i still had in there because i knew we had that race coming up you talk about uh being a parachute with a difference in in the wing setting that pretty well covers the uh patch four notes so who likes free setups i think we do we use we, we, we we've used a lot of those over the time or or kind of a paid setup, some of them we get. But uh, Freddie Allwood has thrown up some free setups uh, on the forums linking to his Discord so you can get them off of there. Um, obviously, this is in the new buy and sell uh, area for under title free setups. So um, go there and click to his uh, Discord and get uh, setups for some of, his, uh, some of the cars he's offering. Yeah, road cars only is what I saw, and it wasn't a lot because he just started it. And um, but he looks like there's more than one person putting up sets. So yeah, check it out. All right, uh, so we have Chad Irvin. He uh, linked to a YouTube video uh, at a race at Sonoma where the uh, the dirt jump is not working. You basically uh, he goes around the corner, and he sees the, the the dirt mound in front of him to jump, and he kind of just lags directly through it. So uh, there, that's the uh, Sonoma Rally Course track, and uh, apparently there's some issues. Now, um, for some reason, the guy in the video was racing it in a Skip Barber, which is not exactly uh, the car you want to do jumps in, I don't think. So I don't know if there was a conflict with that combination. Maybe it would be all right with your normal rally cars or the pro trucks. Uh, but there was an issue with he, he was racing it with his uh, Skip Barber trying to trying – to, Knock out that jump at Sonoma. Like an invisible jump, yeah. See, this is how... This is what iRacing doesn't um, test for. This is the things that people do when they're bored, in their spare time, when they see something. This is is how these extra patches and things are found because people do this stuff. And, you know, it's good on this person for finding out uh, this... Thing. I don't know if it's broken. Like we, we don't know if it's broken in all cars. Maybe it's broken in that car. But um, 
in general, you know, we want to make sure that every car can go over that jump, I guess, and in, in iRacing, so at least he's tested it. I'll yeah, say, that who was... wants to spend time at Sonoma? <laughs> Good point. But uh, you leave that... it alone, Tony. You leave Sonoma alone. We saw that really crazy issue with the pro trucks when it was racing at the Coke Speedway. Now, who in the right mind would race the Coke, or not the Coke Speedway, the iRacing Super Speedway in a in a pro pro truck? But uh, yeah, uh, so I guess I guess uh, they might not take in consideration all the combinations that there are. Uh, so kind of weird, but I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try the uh, wing sprint car at this uh, and see if I can get it to jump next. So over the year or two, iRacing has been dropping in a, uh, AI races or AI racers in tracks and cars as we go. So what you might ask, well, what tracks are available now? And they've posted a list. So I don't know if this is a forum post or just on a website somewhere, but we have it on the, on the site. iRacing support. support. There you go. Yeah. So if you want to know what's on there, I'm not going to read the list to you. But uh, you can link, you can go straight to support, or you can get it through our website. They have it on the support page, so you can print it off, it looks like, too, right? So that's why they got it there. Yeah, support.iracing.com, and you can search for it. All right. Have, just, just before, just to finish that thought, they have added a lot of stuff for the AI in a year, you know, to try they and have, get it all to work. Got a long ways to go, though, but they did, they have done a lot. And it's fun. All right, uh, pod- podcast housekeeping notes. Don't forget about the aftermath, uh, Chris and the two Tonys. Uh, what do you guys got coming up? Oh, we're going to talk about our 24-hour experiences, um, some OBRL uh, playoffs that Chris and I are going to be in, and uh, um, just more shenanigans. All right, looking forward to that. And don't forget our new website. Make sure to leave comments. Uh, it's iracerslounge.com where you can actually see our podcast notes uh, that we're looking at as we go through this. Uh, don't forget, we're also live on video stream. Greg has got us uh, up on camera there where you can see us uh, at uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, that kind of thing. And don't forget, we're on the Performance Motorsports Network as well. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, guys, uh, we're going to start off with Rock Solid Rig's RSR21 build and review. So if you remember, the Rock Solid Rig RS21 is something we talked about last week, which is like a um, almost like an 80-20 system made out of wood, where the whole system, uh, the whole rig is wood. It's very adjustable, has mounts for triple monitors and everything. And uh, so they were uh, claiming in their advertisement the, the company was that you know it's as strong and solid as any 8020 rig well uh our uh, friend of the show damn dave cam actually reviewed this and uh, tried it out and uh, he posted a video about it and uh the uh general consensus is that he loves it and thinks it's just as solid as 8020 he's very happy with how strong and sturdy it was and uh and of course it's just a beautiful piece of piece of art to look at uh, in my opinion so, uh, yeah, so apparently it's as good as they uh, advertise. You know, when watching him put this together on the video, it's like putting, like, scaffolding. And it's just, he it looks like a skyscraper that he's building up um, as it goes up. Kind of bulky, you know, compared to 8020, especially the monitor stuff, but rock solid. 
I wonder how much it weighs, like as freight. Say, so it reminds me of those uh, those three uh, D models that you used to put together, like buildings and stuff like that. That looks fun as hell to uh, to put together. And looking at him drive it, yeah, it doesn't move at all. And he's got a real you know strong base on there, obviously, but it it does. There's no jitter or nothing. It looks solid. Did this? I couldn't remember. Did this rig come with a seat, or was it optional that you could uh, have it with a seat or not? I think it was uh, separate. You had to get those seats separate. Most rigs, other than like your uh, like those play seats that are kind of all put together, most of the other rigs you just throw in a real racing seat. You you mean the one I'm sitting in right now? You're talking about the play seat? Yeah. So I should you're saying I should actually look at the Discord, right? <laughs> the next thing we have on here, though, uh, I don't think any of us have. It's a GSI wheel. Uh, we've got Gomez Sim Industry Formula Rim, and it's uh, they're posting boasting that uh, it's used by several real world drivers. Now I don't know if that means that they're using it in the sim, or if this is another wheel that's compatible with with real cars as well. Uh, it's got a load of buttons, a standard formula wheel, a lot of rotary options in the middle. The, it's got a multi-switch in the, in, the, in the center. And it's got a display as well as, the, uh, as well as the RPM LED lights. Not great if you're a VR driver, but those of you who run triples might enjoy having that display on there. That thing is gorgeous. Like It, it looks really nice. Like For anybody that, like David said, it's not VR and, and needs a visual, like you have... It's basically like having with that display on the in the center everything it's like you have everything right there at your fingertips. Yeah, the only thing that seems to be missing is it's only got the two pedals so you don't really have an option to run hand clutch. Say and it's missing a price. I found <laughs> it. it's uh, gomezsimindustries.com and it's $1250 with the display, 875 without the display. Nope. I agree. I I can I do the same thing with my formula rim and uh, have better pedal situation. It is a high end wheel for sure uh, at that price. Speaking of high end, uh, looks like uh, a, a popular uh, stream or reviewer here, uh, Linus Tech Tips, showed on the YouTube channel uh, the twenty four gigabyte RAM, VRAM GeForce three ninety. Um, on triples, but in 4K, he tested it out to try and run 4K on all three at the same time. Like that's this card is, you know, I don't, I'm not really a huge guy on tech about the cards and knowing all of what's needed about it. But if you can get 4K for some of the stuff that he's, you know, trying to run with uh, on it, that's that's impressive with that card. Yeah, 3090 is the best card you can get, and. Uh... Yeah, he tried several games in 4K triples, and it worked pretty good. iRacing wasn't one of them, but based on what I see, it looks like it's certainly possible. Well, he is playing, uh, it looks like he was playing Forza or Dirt or something on there at the end there. I can't see what, what it is, but that would be just as intensive as iRacing would be on it. Pretty freaking cool. I, I can't wait for somebody to try that in iRacing. Uh, next up, we have some new pedals, at least new to us. It's called Simtrex, S-I-M-T-R-E-C-S dot com. And they have some nice looking uh, pedals here. Uh, they call them professional grade, uh, price uh, 1,175 euros. Uh, in the 
in the European Union, outside the European Union, 925 euros. That's without the base plate. The base plate's another 175. But uh, these do look high end. They don't look to be hydraulic, though. Um, but what do you guys think? Watching the one video here, it looks very, there's a lot of customability into the brake. And it obviously all comes as a kit, it looks like, too, right? Like you get everything, um, different, uh, the little pucks that uh, go inside to create more pressure on the on the brake pedal and stuff. You get all that stuff included with the, the package, it looks like. Ultra adjustable as far as angle, uh, depth, um, you know, everything is adjustable. Um, and there's a lot of holes in everything where, uh, and, and they show a lot of different detail of how you can move these things about. It has some really heavy-duty software where you can adjust how, you, how the pedals behave as well. So it does say on the brake unit, hydraulic damping to simulate the real car's hydraulic brake system. We use dampers. The resistance are stepless adjustable to help find the perfect pedal feeling. You could spend, looking at this video, you could spend probably a good week of time trying to figure out the right feel that you're going to want to get out of all the stuff that's included in this kit. And then how long, how do you know what you're missing or how do you know if you've made it worse just because you're not used to it? That, that's what I, I always get nervous about playing with any kind of software adjustments on the pedals. So the forum post that came with this, uh, some people are saying they're, they're kind of expensive for what you're getting. But I mean, these look like a good Heiskenveld kind of replacement. Seems like we're just talking about pasta a lot this week. It's making me hungry. Yeah, get ready for a little more pasta, because Anthony, Anthony Alfredo, this time, he showed off his full-motion haptic racing simulator, uh, the D-Box Gen 3 4250i. So uh, uh shows a video of – he's posted a video of him in the rig uh, racing around, and uh, actually sh he has a full video of him assembling uh, from uh, scratch, basically. So uh, – it's a it's a full motion haptic system. Uh, D box we all know is like one of the leaders in uh, those type of actuator type of motion systems. So I'm sure it's a very good. Um, and uh, D box is a it's not one of the lesser expensive options. You know they they do make great product. Yeah, pretty cool to see him. So he's won two big races since he got this motion rig. You think the motion rig has something to do with that? I didn't. I didn't notice him in the motion rig on his stream. I wasn't paying attention to it, but I don't remember seeing him move around very no, much. He was, he was not moving at, at Daytona. Okay. Nice maybe looking he, rig, man. Maybe he had motion off. Yeah, he's got a Sim Seats uh, cockpit, and then he got like the bolt-on D-Box thing sent to him, and he has a nice video here of him putting it together. It looks pretty solid. Yeah, so the uh, D-Box, the Gen 3 uh, 4250s are uh, priced out at $9,600 in euros, 9,600 wow. euros. Again, that's just the uh, motion system. That's not anything to do with the rig at all. Nope. <laughs> well, with his cup contract, he's good and golden. Yeah, that's probably true. So, Vero Vat of... Vasa is a is a company that innovated a triple monitor mount for the eighty twenty rigs here. Um, now is this to combat? Well, that's just the name of it. Actually, it's by Sim Labs. Oh, it's it's a Sim Labs thing. Okay, 
I didn't know that that was sorry. Now it brings it up. It says Simlab. So it's Simlabs created, but the it's the name of is is Vera Vasa. Um, now this is the problem that we were having. Uh, some guy people were having mounting. That it's a solution to how to mount these triple monitors with some of these eighty twenty setups, isn't it? Because sometimes it's you need a spacer or something for some monitors. It's just a really cool looking system. It looks like it it provides ways to pivot the, the monitors easily back and forth and that kind of thing. Yeah, because in this image here that I have shown up from their Instagram, um, it basically he's they're using a curved monitor to 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 show this. Um, but it looks like there's a lot of adjustability and the built into the back of it here to to move it along a rail, but also to move it each monitor differently um for to get the right angle for it yeah D david you uh you're a drummer correct right yes uh isn't it nice to have really good hardware where it's really easy to set up your toms right where you want them and uh things like that it kind of reminds me of of that where um it just makes it so much simpler to set up and get everything lined up right where you want it yeah, actually, we have a set of electric drums in, in the band room, and um, every once in a while, one of the kids will decide to adjust the positioning of a tom, and, and I, I'll usually sneak in there and, and jam out to a couple of songs uh, during my conference hour or something, and if, if it's out of place, it just it just feels wrong. It's kind of like your ignition in a car suddenly being in the wrong place. It's, it just messes with, with uh, muscle memory, and you know, being able, yeah, being able to position everything in the right place it's pretty important yeah i hate my triple monitor mounts from a photo because you just touch the monitor and it moves and it doesn't hold place well i just the neat looking design you can tell from one picture so i'm just interested to see this like a video of this product and to see how it actually holds because it looks like it, it moves but it also locks into place so what you're saying mike if you had a motion rig on yours your monitors would be all over the place Oh, yeah, it wouldn't work at all. I would have to definitely get new uh, monitor mounts. Well, if you don't like your mount, how about uh, you just pick up this next rig, uh, Mike? This looks up your alley. Yeah, this will be our last hardware uh, story. It's a listener submission from Ryan Giles. Told us about a video uh, from Aston Martin about the AMR C01 Curve Racing Simulator. Now, we've talked about this before when it was initially released. Uh, now they have a video of it. And, uh, boy, it's a pretty cool-looking video uh, by Aston Martin. It uh, kind of shows their race car on the track, and then it flashes over to the cockpit and kind of shows the resemblance of the paint job and the stylings and curves and stuff. See, the thing reminds me of a Jamaican bobsled. Well, and this thing was... Isn't this thing, like, like 70 grand or something like that? Wasn't this like that ridiculous? It's crazy. It was crazy price. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of money for brand name. And the video alone looks expensive <laughs> other than the rig. And so, it shows the guy into the Aston Martin, you know, uh, offices and they have it set up in there and they're walking around it and looking at it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. Next up results. Let's go into official racing first. David, uh, Nürbur Nürburgring. Yep, number green GP. Not the not the big track, but the little track, which I actually enjoy running at. Hopped on there just on Sunday. Didn't run any there all week because we were focused on 24 hours, and uh, ran two races and won the second one. 
Nice, nice win. I ran today the Ferrari GT Challenge at Oran Park. Man, this little track at Oran Park has really gotten my attention. Um, so actually, it wasn't the Ferrari GT Challenge. It was the MX-5 Cup I ran at Oran Park. And um, I actually started P7 out of 18, finished P6. Uh, I actually got involved in the big one at lap one, turn one, but actually came out ahead of most and was able to keep the car pointed the right direction and basically only lost one spot after that. So it was a good race. Uh, I, I kind of wish the Ferrari would go back there. I was really enjoying that. Uh, next up, uh, hosted in leagues, uh, I ran a recruiting race for uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Marble's Fast Track Sim Racing League that he's going to be running Monday nights that follows the NASCAR schedule. Uh, Michigan P5. I was uh, very excited about that. Um, I think it's a great group and they kind of match my uh, my competency, so I'm actually able to run pretty good with these guys in there. So I ran the next night. He's having recruitment nights each night, and I, it was Vegas, and I got a P3. I actually slipped and fell back to 22nd at one point and made my way clear back up to third and was having to save fuel to make it uh, without stopping and ran, ran out at the line. There was only a few people that made it on fuel and that's how I was able to steal a P3 there. Then we took it to the Winter Series. Date or it was Dega, plate racing. Kind of, kind of tends to be our forte. I choked though. It was the first green flag stop I was right behind you, David, and uh, I came in and actually overshot my pit. Or actually, I undershot my pit, and I had to pull forward. And that was all it took to, for me to lose like 10 to 15 seconds uh, when we got back on track. Yeah, but you did finally get that late caution that got you back with the main pack. I didn't want to see that late caution because I was running way in the front. I was There was a pack of just like six or seven of us at the front. Yeah, uh, but late then you caution got caught up was, uh, was a savior for sure. And then we started having quite a few late cautions, and you got caught up in one of them. Yeah, my race was over, but you had a, a good chance for a good finish. If that there was, if the last caution had not come out, there had there had just been a wreck. I think it was actually Elliot and somebody got into each other, um, and I squeezed right between them and even got tapped just a little. And there were four cars just in front of me, but I was sucking up to them, and the yellow came out after we had already taken the white. And I I think I would have been set up. To, to, to have a huge run and blast by him. But uh, what wasn't meant to be, but still kept it alive and took home my first P5 in, in this crazy tough league. And I'm actually with drop, I'm P4 without drop weeks and P5 now in the overall standings, just, just behind AJ Stravato and Christian Chandler. And boy, what a great group of guys that we were able to run three wide a lot without wrecking. Um, for the longest time it was great and i didn't i tell you that it would run three wide for a good chunk and it would be hard to even get towards the front yeah with tyler hudson in there and uh, christian Chawner, those guys uh they were definitely going to the outside uh, with their buddies and uh, making it work so brian uh is always oh, uh, looks like you got to run at charlotte in one of the uh, the arca series yeah, that was a uh, Monday Night Arca at uh, OBRL. It was at Charlotte, and uh, uh, man, about uh, lap nine it was. Uh, some cars got together coming out of turn two. They uh, they crashed right in front of me. I I went head first into one and uh, just totally destroyed my car. Um, 
I had like about nine minutes of required repairs, which I did. And then I went back out on the track and I wasn't very competitive. So um, I kind of called it a night at that point. I really wasn't going to advance my position at that point because, uh, you know, I was just too many laps down to really do anything. So I just kind of called it a night at that point. Um, I think that was the last that that should have been the last race before the uh, playoff start for that a series. So uh, I, that's not going to really hurt my playoff uh uh, chances, so I, I will make the playoffs for that series, and I'm looking forward to next Monday. Hopefully, we can do a lot better than that. Cool. Now we got a result in here for. I'm sorry, we got a result in here for skills. Is that from the same night? It's in a, it's in a weird place on the screen. Um, no, that was probably uh, that was probably um, Sunday. He races Sunday mornings. All right, I'll get it was, in the right place. I was gonna say, Brian, you said you went head first. Now, being in a a rig that moves. Did you actually go head first? The way it moves? <laughs> it, it wasn't too bad in the rig. It didn't really throw me around too much. But uh, yeah, so it wasn't too bad. Although I did, um, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but I did have an issue with some hardware. Um, I'll, I'll talk about in the uh, final thoughts. I'll say, does the um, the, the rig uh, motion rig seem like the flapping hood? <laughs> no. no, it doesn't flap. The hood doesn't flap too much. All right, let's talk OBRL Cup Series, uh, Atlanta, Tony Rochette, P13. Well, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll back up just a day or, or a couple of days. We'll go to the Xfinity there uh, for Friday night. Oh, Xfinity. Uh, okay. Yep. Uh, P13, um, I had some issues saving tires at Atlanta, um, but I am screwing myself. Um, I, was, I can't remember. I was talking to somebody on uh, TeamSpeak and uh, Green Flag Stop, and uh, I stalled my car twice because I wasn't too sure where the hell my my clutch was um racing that was the first race of racing in the new rig here but somehow i made it in, into the top eight for the next week uh which is tomorrow night at uh north wilkesboro so that that ought to be fun and uh uh cup series uh chris and i ran um i finished 13th he finished 14th um i had a, a speeding penalty early um I didn't um, recalibrate my my uh, my brakes after the 24. Um, I got it to where I can press it down harder now, so I end up speeding in the pit. But I kind of recovered just a little bit. Um, scales, uh, he kind of had an issue on pit road um, late in the race, and he ended up going two laps down. But enough guys that were racing in that race had issues that were in the top 12. Um, got me and scales into the top eight for Indy uh, Sunday night or Sunday. So Chris is good at that track. I'm good at that track. So hopefully we can make the top four. All right. We'll be rooting for you. Uh, the, I think looks like the last event we had. I ran the Spotlight Snowball Series, Snowball Series last week in the Radicals. We were at Laguna. I uh, brought it home P3, and we got to test the same caution software that MTech is using. They, um, Michael Led actually helped me, hooked me up with the guys that wrote it, and they sent me a copy of it and showed me how to use it. It's pretty simple, and it's pretty handy for if you want to throw the occasional caution at a road course. So what does that mean when you want to throw a caution at a road course? How does that work? What, you don't want to throw a caution every time somebody's wrecked, but it does add an interesting strategy if there's the chance the caution may come out throughout the race. So what MTech has is a software that... Uh, counts the total number of incidents that everybody 
has made on the on the track. So every time anybody gets an off track or a wreck or whatever, it starts adding those up. And what you do is ahead of time, you pick a number that you want it to start flashing at you. And it'll start flashing at you and then you just reach over to whatever you whatever you key you've got set for throw yellow and you throw the yellow. And we ended up having, I think, three cautions that in that Laguna race because we were all racking up one X's like crazy. Uh, we kind of guessed wrong on how many incidents we wanted to cap, cap it at. Uh, so it gives you strategy. It gives a chance for the field to get bunched back up at road courses, which is usually a part of racing. That that's the one part that's missing from road courses. But you don't want to be going kind of like when we had our race at, at the silly race at the speedway. You don't want to be going caution every two laps. So this gives a good balance of getting that strategy, but at the same time, not spending the whole race pace lapping. I was going to say that that would be definitely good something to uh, try for our next fun race. Well, I've got it ready when we do it. That's pretty cool. Kind of randomize it, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't have to do the same number every time, especially if you're live admin. And you could say, okay, the first one's going to be 30 X's and the next one's going to be 60 X's. You can you could completely pick it randomly. I like it. All right, let's jump to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Uh, two quick things real quick. Um, I signed up for the uh, Podium 500, the uh, the Podium Esports uh, version of their Daytona 500. So uh, that's uh, next weekend with all their uh, qualifying and all their heat races and last chance qualifiers before the main event on Sunday. So uh, I'll give that a shot. You know, not expecting a whole lot, but it sounds like a good event and a uh, good experience. So I'll try that. The other quick thing was, um, yeah, I was telling you about when I was racing the OVRL race on Monday, I had an issue. Well, one of my uh, butt kicker uh, uh, LFEs actually fell off my rig. I took a look at it and um, the bolt that clamps it to the rig actually broke. So uh, I actually uh, wound up uh, tech or emailing the company. It's uh, like a little less than a year old. I emailed the company and they, uh, they apologized said uh, they're going to send me a brand new unit. I'm going to return the old one. So I uh, just want to give uh, butt kicker a shout out for, for uh, good customer service or standing by their products. And uh, so I'll get that new one and get that mounted back on. Uh, we need to get in there and spot for you during the podium 500 and make sure you got the right support to win that race. Yeah, I appreciate it. That'd be great. I'll give you what? guys i uh, I'll post, I'll post what my times are and see how it goes. Are there still sign signups for that yet? Or is it done? No, I think it's still going on uh, right up until the race day. I think. Yeah, get it, Greg, get in there. I'm contemplating it just to get some time out on the track. Well, I work on the weekends, so I, but I'm available in the evenings, but uh, I'll, I'll see if I can spot for you guys if you're in it. No, Bobby ran it last year, and they ran into some kind of he ran into some kind of issue that left him not too happy with the with the admins. I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, I kind of recall that too, but I think they're they were aware of it and they were going to adjust. So we'll see how that goes. All right, David Hall, final thoughts. Once again, it was exciting and fun as heck to run behind you know Landon Castle and Anthony Alfredo, who's definitely one of the cup drivers I'll be rooting for this year. He was our first cup driver to come on the show, if you if you recall. Uh, well, he wasn't a cup driver at the time, but now he is. Um, that was exciting. It was also exciting for our team to have such a good clean finish. You know, it you. Uh, it may have been thirty third split, but there were fifty splits, and there were real racers in that in that uh, split. Also, I'm looking forward to running the final race in the uh, Snowball Series tonight, and I will be taking it 
taking the green with a 15-point lead. So I'm, I might be celebrating my first iRacing League championship after tonight. We'll see. All right. Get it. Get it. All right. Greg Hector's final thoughts. Uh, I don't really do any much racing this week besides the 24. I've been busy doing a bunch of other things. Um, but no, I've been... I got the uh, qualifying coming up here for the, uh, the Pro Invitation or the East in Porsche series for Canada here coming up over the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to get out on the track and start uh, putting some laps down for that and, uh, and getting ready for that. So I'm starts tomorrow. Um, is the first, uh, first day of setting your time. So I hope, uh, to get in as much as I can and keep setting times as, at every point I can just, just to see if I can get faster and faster to try and, uh, try and qualify for this uh, series and hopefully uh, run it. Okay, very good. Tony Rochette, final thoughts. Uh, I'm definitely enjoying this uh, new 8020 rig that I got from Track Racer. Um, it actually took him a week to deliver it. Several boxes, but but um, I got it all together, and uh, I didn't have any missing pieces or anything like that. Um, it's definitely a, a new experience and a better experience for me. Um, I know this weekend I've been working, well, last few weeks I've been working really, really uh hard and a lot and but this weekend i'm going to try to put my my base shakers on and uh hopefully i can make it into a top four for the obr road race for either the xfinity or the the cup race so but other than that excited for nis to start up in a few weeks and uh let's get it and and you've experienced this the the seat compared to the pedals is just rock solid there's no movement how much has that helped Oh, definitely help. Um, <clears throat> like I said, my I think my braking, one of my issues with road courses was my braking, and I think that's where how far my my pedals were and my angle and my feet and everything else. Um, with this rig, I I can I can brake a lot smoother, and uh, I actually might be running some more road mode stuff this year. Okay, well, enjoy the rig. All right, my final thoughts. Uh, wow, Daytona was fun. I got my three hours in and. I had no wrecks, no incidents. I had a couple little 1Xs, you know, just off, you know, on the grass just a little bit, but it was a, a uneventful race for me and that's what I wanted. So uh, other than that, I'm ready for Daytona 500. I'm excited for it. I hope we can come up with a set. That's kind of a, a fear I have that, uh, that, you know, can we be competitive set wise? But other than that, I think we're ready. So with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.